This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 68, Submission 019. The game show finales of June 20th, 1980, and the David Letterman Show. Well, guys, this Saturday, June 20th, it marks the 40th anniversary of, well, maybe one of the, the, I don't want to say saddest days in game show history, but I'm going to say that because three TV shows, three venerable TV shows, uh, which have had, yeah, three, well, two long-running shows and a a short-lived show, but all three shows are venerable because... They have come back each in at least one other form since 1980. These three shows got canceled and uh, were ultimately replaced by the David Letterman Morning Show, which we'll get to in a little bit. But the three shows we're going to talk about, the three finales on June 20th of 1980, all three of them are memorable in different ways. Yes. And I think we're going to start off with probably the one that we have the least to say, which uh, just oddly enough is the one that lasted the longest. Hollywood Squares. Yeah. Oh, boy. Now, that was a show. That was a show. You remember uh, back uh, one episode ago, we were talking about Break the Bank and how that was a thinking man's Hollywood Squares. Now here's, well, if it weren't for Hollywood Squares, we wouldn't even have Break Bank. So there you go. At least the 1976 version of Break the Bank. Yeah. Well, this episode, um, I don't know. I, I don't remember much of anything happening. It was a pretty standard uh, game show episode outside of the fact it was the last episode. And obviously after 14 years, you know, emotions are going to run kind of high. Yeah, this is from, again, our friends at Fandom. In the final episode of the daytime series, which by that point had an altered contestant area and new theme music, the contestants playing that day were tied at one game apiece, but there wasn't enough time to play a tiebreaker game. So to make up for it, both contestants won an additional $200, and each selected a star and won a prize for their troubles. And after the final commercial break, the show's staff gathered around the contestant area for one last goodbye. And I mean, very emotional, too, because that's an, the end of an era. 14 years on NBC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of the celebrities that were uh, in the squares that day included our good friend, Tom Poston. <laughs> Whoa! What? This is the final episode? Oh, no! Yeah, and he was actually uh, promoting Mork and Mindy. He had, he had a Mork and Mindy sweatshirt on. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you also had... Vincent Price in the squares. Oh, man. And Rosemary. Of course. Can't forget about Rosemary. And also Leslie Uggams, who would later go on to work uh, with Peter Marshall on future installment Fantasy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And, and you had George Goble. I mean, this is all the, like the big Hollywood squares celebrities. Marty Allen. Charlie Callis, and then in the center square, you had 
Waylon Flowers and Madam. Because you got to remember, at this point, Paul Lind was not on really good terms, and he had left the show. But he did return for the final syndicated season in Vegas in the fall of 80. Yes, he did. He, they made up, and uh, he was the center square in the, uh, the Vegas season. But yeah, th- th- this wasn't terribly memorable, uh, especially for you know being the last show for uh, a series that lasted 14 years. But yeah, emotions are going to run high because you work with people for 14 years, you're going to get a little emotional. They're almost like family at that point. But uh, in terms of the gameplay, by no means was it as memorable as either of the other two shows that we're going to mention. No. The first of which, we'll start with High Rollers. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love High Rollers. Yeah, High Rollers was... uh, Oh, I love High Rollers, too. But this last episode of High Rollers... Oh, that's that's a future installment if ever I heard one. What, the last episode of High Rollers? The last episode of High Rollers. Well, that's why we're here, my friend. We're going to get it out of the way. What can we say about the last episode of High Rollers? There's so much to break down in so little time. Well, let's start off with the host, Alex Trebek. He might have been a little drunk on the finale. He might have been. <laughs> he might have been either drunk or he was on the wacky tobacco. There was something wacky going on for sure because we're used to the pretty straight-laced Alex Trebek. You know, sometimes he gets a little goofy, but on the High Rollers finale, he was loopy the loop. Yes. That's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah. Uh, Alive with the BGs, Many Moon Cub Niner. Richard Roletta likes to roll. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at the end, uh, talking about drinking wine, and one of the models on the show was pregnant because she drank too much wine. <laughs> but also, and uh, we cannot talk about this episode without bringing up maybe. The most bizarre, but also maybe the greatest prize in game show history. And the most mysterious prize in game show history. In some ways, yes. Uh, An antique Chinese fishbowl valued at $10,000. You heard me. An antique Chinese fishbowl valued at $10,000. $10,000 40 years ago. When we come back and return, we will. We're going to add something to it. Fish. <laughs> yeah, because no want... one won it. Yeah, no one won it. I want to know what fishbowl is worth the value of two cars. And also, and... where is this Chinese fishbowl today? That's a good question. Did some uh, Merrill Heater Bob Quigley employee ended up taking the fishbowl with them and it's been in someone's house for like the last 40 years? I, I actually did a search for antique Chinese fishbowl on Google. What, and what did you find? What did you find, Mike? Okay, I, I found a 19th century Chinese famille vert fishbowl. This is at, I'm going to guess, an auction site because it's called firstdibs.com. 
and it's $8,317. Oh, I found on eBay a large and rare Chinese Ming-style blue and white porcelain fish bowl uh, from the 19th century or earlier. Well, Ming would be earlier than 19th century. $25,000. Whoa. Uh, Found another uh, Chinese fish bowl, 19th century famille rose fish bowl. $21,112.40. $21,112.40. Who knew that there was such a racket in Chinese fish bowls? Yeah, I, I mean, this can go on for a while. Antique Chinese cloisonne fish bowls, $14,900. Yeah, I mean, who the heck knew there was this type of market for antique fish bowls going for $20,000, $15,000? That's absolutely crazy. But the thing is, when they say Chinese fish bowls, they're not like glass fish bowls. They're they're ceramic, uh, porcelain. So think of almost like a big vase, a big vase. Yeah, because as Alex says in the final episode of High Rollers, very delicate. Well, yeah, if you're talking like porcelain, cloisonne, yeah, that's very delicate. That might be the absolute most just bizarre prize ever. A fishbowl that cost... Uh, a uh, $10,000 Aki. Yeah, $10,000, which is like the price of two cars back in that day. That is different. It's that weird. Crazy. But, all, but also at the same time, that's very high rollers giving away... And that's just high rollers. That's very uh, heater and quigley giving away really weird expensive prizes or, or as i like to call them tax burdens uh, ha, ha, ha. well no seriously would you want to pay two thousand dollars on a ten thousand dollar fishbowl that's a tax burden to me no I, I mean seriously i'd bring it home and i bet you within about two days but noodles would knock it over and it'd be ten thousand pieces of porcelain yeah it would break just like how the lamp in just our luck that house tk carter broke future installment just our luck it would also break like the bank in our previous installment and if you have never seen this please go to youtube find it it's absolutely surreal because alex trebek has to be on the influence of something uh, especially since it was the last show, and the attitude wasn't uh, as uh, down as Hollywood Squares. Uh, I mean, they did acknowledge, yeah, we did uh, two years on NBC previously, and then we did two years on NBC in the new High Rollers. But you didn't have, you know, the, the whole cast and crew come out. You didn't have Alex Trebek sad because he was probably too, well, intoxicated to be sad. Too under the influence, let's say. Yeah. But he knew in a couple of years he would be on Battle Stars and all would be forgiven. I don't know. Yeah, four years later he'd be on Jeopardy, and that's you know, history. Yep. But then the third one, this I think is where we're gonna talk a little bit. Chain reaction. Oh, yep. but yeah. And if you don't know what chain reaction is, you may have seen it in a either on the USA Network with Jeff Edwards or on GSN in the mid-2000s with Dylan Lane 
And oh, it was a GSN again within the last few years with Mike Catherwood. And also, don't forget the USA version with Blake Emmons back in 1986. Oh, future installment, the chain reaction with Blake Emmons and the $40,000 chain reaction. Oh, yeah, the final season of the Jeff Edwards chain reaction. Oh, we we could do the whole series, but definitely the the Blake Emmons version and definitely the the last season of the $40,000 version, yes. It was very Canadian, eh? It was very Canadian. Well, this show, it didn't have the longevity of the other two shows uh, when it originally aired. We talked about Hollywood Squares was on for 14 years, and we talked about High Rollers was on for two years. Chain Reaction was only on for a little bit under six months. However, as we mentioned, it has seen life numerous times. You know, we mentioned the USA version, and we mentioned two different uh, reboots on GSN. So this is a show, a show that's had four lives now. The final episode was a little goofy, um, specifically at the end. The game played out pretty normal up until like the last five to seven minutes. There was time left over at the end of the show, and as some shows may do, they'll have celebrities playing for charity, or they may have the contestants play each other for bonus money that's split amongst each other. Well... They decided we're going to play a game of the the instant reaction round, the bonus round, but we're going to utilize all four players. And so what they did is you had two players, two of the contestants in the seats that the, uh, uh, the, the celebrities would sit in during the normal bonus round. They had one celebrity in the contestant chair, the, the response chair, and then one other celebrity was standing by. And the whole idea was after each word, everybody rotates a seat. So the person in one celebrity seat moves over to the other celebrity seat. The person in the uh, leftmost uh, celebrity seat uh, from the point of view of the camera then becomes like the person in the waiting area. The person who's not playing then moves into the contestant area. And then the person who was in the contestant seat moved to the rightmost celebrity seat so they rotated after every word and what this was if you think about it was like a bare bones version of future installment go yeah and go is beloved Uh, go didn't last that long but it was a heck of a show and also on top of that just one of the very interesting clues Thanks to Betty White, and gosh knows, we love Betty White in these parts. Oh who yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't love Betty White? Let's just say that Betty White's a national treasure. Darn right, I she love is. Betty White. Everybody loves Betty White. So, in a bonus round, uh, I believe it might have been the final bonus round. Uh, the uh, answer was Adolf Hitler. Yeah, maybe we can't use that nowadays, but no. so. so so uh, her and her partner... It was Ron Silver, I believe. I believe it was Ron Silver. You're right. Yeah, Ron Re- Silver of future installment skin. Oh, my. 
everybody's got a future installment. So the question they came up with was, who was the, and then Betty White said, Shickle Gruber. And what? What's a Shickle Gruber? Nobody knows what a Shickle Gruber is. And what a Shickle Gruber is, was actually Hitler's mother's last name. So it wasn't any sort of like weird German word or some sort of fake word, but it's like Betty White came up with Schicklegruber. That just, I I was sort of taken aback by that. But um, so, yeah, this was the genesis of, of go. If you look at it from that perspective and it, didn't work out as smoothly as well again it, it, it was a very basic form of what you'd see in go because you know people had to move on their own terms and um it was different to say the least but again it was a, a very interesting way to end the show and it, it did sort of birth an idea for a new show which we'll cover and it's of course a show that we hold very dear and dear to our hearts yeah, we'll cover it properly in the future. But we're not here for those three shows. No. Really, really the big reason we're here is for the David Letterman show. Yeah. The David Letterman show aired on NBC from June 23rd to October 24th, 1980, for a total of 90 episodes. <laughs> Show live with Valerie Bromfield, Edie McClure, Bob Sarlock, Edward Newman with NBC News, and Frank Owens and the David Letterman Symphony Orchestra. Plus David's guests, Esther Satterfield, Jane and Michael Stern, Hester Mundas, and Will Schreiner. And now, please welcome the man who loves cat dancing but isn't quite sure what that is, David Letterman. Thank you very much. That was very nice of you folks. Good morning and welcome to the uh, television program here. So yes, folks, everybody's story has to start somewhere. And for a kid from Indianapolis, this was the beginning of what would be a long career in the talk show business. And watching this show, you could sort of sense that this was like, again, we talked about the bare bones version of Go. This was like the bare bones version of what we'd see uh, in his later shows. Yep. You can see a genesis forming for what would become in a year and a half later, Late Night with David Letterman. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it was very off the wall, a little bizarre. Uh, had a very interesting cast of characters who we'll talk about in a little bit. 
and also it even had a news break in the middle of the show a live yeah, that, news break yeah that was surreal to see well yeah, that was, was the middle of the morning so you would totally understand that because yeah uh, and this was the day before cable news so people need to know what was going on so this show middle of the morning david letterman cavalcade of celebrity guests interviews strange comedy bits and something that his later shows did not have was a team of writers who would appear with him on camera. Oh, yeah, they'd appear on camera. Yep. And, and among the people that would appear on camera, you had Edie McClurg. Oh, our favorite of ours, Edie McClurg. Yeah, I mean, what hasn't she been on? Hi, Mrs. Poole. And also... And we're going to do a future installment on this person because this person has a very diverse history, a very diverse background. Rich Hall. Yes. The man yeah. who gave us Sniglets. The, the man who gave us Sniglets, among many other things. He is definitely a, a character who's deserving of uh, a, a very uh, deep dive uh, into his uh, background and his career because he did Sniglets. If you don't know what Sniglets are, you're clearly uh, a kid from a, a younger generation. Because, oh, Sniglets, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. My history teacher in high school, he had a Sniglets calendar, and that's how he started every day. He'd read the Sniglet out to us. Kids, after this episode, go YouTube search not necessarily the news. And, and, and look for Sniglets and... Oh, and also, if you can find it, there is a Sniglets board game. Oh, my and God. I love that game. Yeah, I've got it, too. Yeah, I, I have the Sniglets board game. Oh, my God. Yeah, I that's going to be on the Patreon spinoff podcast. It was a thing on Mike's game shelf. Yeah, uh, it was one of those things where I saw it at a thrift store maybe 10 years ago for like $2. It's like, <laughs> I'm not passing up friggin' Sniglets for $2. No way. Oh, no, 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 no. But also, uh, we should add some other names of uh, writers on the show that may or may not have appeared on the show. We mentioned this name only a couple weeks ago. Meryl Marco. Yep, on Open All Night. We mentioned her mm -hmm. on Open All Night. And uh, there's Greg's favorite, Gerard Mulligan. Oh, yes, Gerard Mulligan. If you don't know who Gerard Mulligan is, he would be the guy who would come in on Letterman's show as a, as the quote-unquote guest, but it would be him as himself pretending to be the guest, but the joke was he looks nothing like the guest. Oh, yeah, and we're going to talk more about Gerard Mulligan later this year uh, when we cover David Letterman's shows within the TV show. Yeah, because oh, yeah, he, he was Michael Jackson in E's reenactment of the reenactment of the Michael Jackson trial. Well, And also he was the sidekick on Skink the Bounty Hunter, among other things. But yeah, when you see him, you'll know who ex exactly who he is if you're a Letterman fan. You'll be like, oh yeah, that guy, that goofy guy. Yeah, that's the same Gerard Mulligan we're talking about here. And then on the production staff side... One name that sticks out is Ed Hall. Yes, 
Ed Hall, who would, of course, later be the announcer for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. But also, he figures prominently in Letterman's show within the show because he plays one of the troubled teens in one of our favorite shows within the show on Letterman, Father Biff. Plus, also, Ed Hall was the announcer on another future installment, Merv Griffin's Crosswords. And uh, one uh, and one of the other uh, people on staff was Barbara Gaines, who would go on to be the executive producer of The Late Show on CBS. So you definitely had a, a, a good stable uh, of, of people who would follow Letterman for years. I mean, uh, I mean, Edie McClurg didn't uh, go with Letterman to uh, NBC's late night show or CBS, but and nor did Ed Hall. But if you look at uh, Meryl Marco and Gerard Mulligan and Barbara Gaines, and we haven't even mentioned Biff Henderson. Nope. Yeah. He was, uh, he was actually the original, from beginning to end, stage manager for David Letterman. Yeah. And also Hal Gurney. And fun fact, uh, fun fact, uh, you know who originally produced the show? Bob Stewart. Yes, that's absolutely true. And uh, he he left the show due to creative differences uh, just a couple days before the premiere, four days before the premiere. And actually, if you watch, and this is on YouTube, the second episode, you get the credit roll. And there's a number of people who are associated with Bob Stewart who are on the show, specifically Bruce Burmester who you'd recognize his name on credits for The Pyramid and and other uh, Bob Stewart shows back in the day. But also another name that rang a bell when I saw the credits was Edith Chan, who again was, I think she was a contestant coordinator uh, of some sort for Pyramid. She, she was another behind-the-scenes uh, Stewart person. So he definitely had his influence, at least on early shows, but the thing is, they did not last that long, or at least didn't last to the end, because... They weren't on the final episode. Yeah. Also, it's funny considering the first week of the David Letterman show, considering it was the week after the aforementioned game show finales we mentioned, the first week it was on was the last week the $20,000 pyramid was on ABC because its final episode was June 27th. You're absolutely right about that. Well, the show itself... It started as a 90-minute show. Well, it replaced, you know, three game shows, half an hour each, so 90 minutes, it makes sense. But that only lasted a little over a month. Yeah, on Wikipedia, the final 90-minute episode was August 1st, and then it reverted to a 60-minute format on August 4th. Which I can't blame, because I watched that second episode I just mentioned uh, a few moments ago. Oh, it's a chore. It's a drag. Exactly. It, it is. It, it 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 would not be. It's not for a. It's not for a daytime audience, basically. Well, well, also, it's not for a ninety-minute show. That was a very drawn-out ninety minutes. So it cut back to sixty minutes, uh, starting on August fourth of nineteen eighty, and it worked a little bit better, but. Uh, it was just a little too bizarre for daytime, I think. Again, this is like the genesis of the late night show, but it was just, it was one of those shows that, that, that really you either loved it or you hated it. 
Yeah, I have a list of uh, things that were included that were regular segments on the show. Uh, small time, small town news, which was brought to you by Will Schreiner, who we all know and also is going to pop up in future installment. Small talk, and was in past installment. That's my dog. An ever-changing non-sequitur opening introduction immediately before Letterman is seen on the camera. For example, and now, a man whose recipe for triple fudge bunnies includes two quarts of vodka, sauerkraut, and a heaping tablespoon of love, David Letterman! Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention the announcer was Bill Wendell, who, of course, would be the announcer for well, Late Night with David second Letterman. Announcer. Second announcer was, David, was Bill Wendell. Yes, and he'd be doing those same non-sequiturs for David Letterman until his retirement from... Uh, the David Letterman program that uh, one is at CBS and he would be replaced by Big Red Alan Coulter. That's something that uh, you'd see for the next 35 years it started on that show but also another segment which uh, showed up and this is maybe the consummate David Letterman segment Stupid Pet Tricks Oh yeah buddy Yep and man, the first ever segment of stupid pet tricks. Man, I know Dave's meant to be sarcastic, but I'll tell you what, when it comes to how this staple became on all of his shows, this was spot on. Good morning and welcome to the show. My name's David Letterman. Happy to have you folks here. And uh, what a day you have selected to join us. Uh, in addition to uh, uh, Esther Satterfield, who's been here all week, and uh, Edwin Newman will be joining us with an NBC News update. America, today we have stupid pet tricks, and uh, it's going to be unbelievable. This is, the Smithsonian has already phoned. Uh, they said they would like a copy of this tape for the time capsule, and we're going to comply. That'll be coming up a little bit later in the show, toward the end, as a matter of fact. So uh, have the folks uh, stay home from work today and keep the kids out of school if they're there now. Oh, indeed. I think one day we will see in the actual Smithsonian the first ever stupid pet tricks. Well, it should be archived, hopefully. Oh yeah, but also you're not the the first stupid pet trick is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It's a dog, and he his trick is he uses his paw when the phone rings to to move the phone part up and pick it up. And the amazing thing is they use an instant replay of him kicking the phone. Well, that was a staple of, of stupid pet tricks. They would always do an instant replay of, of the animal doing whatever. But the funny part is it just has, it just says, it's like a, it's like a sports instant replay. It just flashes instant replay. Like this was so amazing. You have to see this again. Well, like I said, it was a staple of Letterman's uh, stupid pet tricks. So n not terribly surprising, but still funny nonetheless. And Letterman had some experimental episodes. And, and again, if you've seen Late Night, especially Late Night, like in like 84, 85, 83, 82, his first like five years or four years, he did a ton of experimental stuff. Uh, like the episode where the camera rotated 360 degrees throughout the course of the show. Or like one of my favorites is, which I, is not on YouTube, but I wish I could find it's an episode from November 1983 parodying the ABC News viewpoint on the day after. 
But instead of talking about the day after, they talked about the episode of Alice that aired opposite it on CBS. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on the panel for some reason. And then you had different uh, other, um, we'll call them innovations, like the monkey cam. And everybody knows about the Velcro suit Dave wore, or when he uh, wore a suit of like Alka-Seltzer or cereal and jumped into a big bowl of milk. I mean, th- th- mm-hmm. th- that's the lunacy that you sort of saw starting out on the David Letterman show, the, the morning show. There are a couple of uh, interesting promotions that, uh, that, that Dave did on his show. And this actually happened within the last three weeks of the show because Letterman got word that the show was canceled. But you know what? Like some shows, let's go out on a blaze of glory. Screw the network. We're going to do our show in the last couple of episodes. So, well, it's more like the last three weeks worth of episodes. So you're talking 15 episodes worth of David Letterman's zaniness. Yeah. So you had um, one episode where Dave flew in a farmer named Floyd Stiles and his wife. And it was Floyd Stiles Day. And then there was a contest where Dave would host the show in your own home and the third to last episode, and this is another one that's on YouTube, David Letterman and his staff go to Cresco, Iowa, and they actually film an episode of the show in the city of Cresco at the home of a resident and actually get to meet a lot of people in the area. They did a stupid pet tricks there, including stupid pet tricks with a goat and a pig. Uh, and even at the end of the show, during the end credits, in like downtown Cresco, there's a whole bunch of horns honking, and David Letterman uh, asks uh, a car passing by, uh, "Oh, you guys are j- just got married, yeah? So uh, what are you gonna do for the honeymoon? Oh, we're gonna go downtown uh, or, or to a bar and drink." And I just thought that was a great way to end the show. Just, oh, what are you gonna do for your honeymoon tonight? Oh, we're gonna go drink. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you can see that he was sort of um, expanding his his ideas with uh, some of these goofy stunts that um, that would be on the last, again, three weeks worth of episodes. It was like, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out doing like the weirdest stuff ever on a television show. And, and again, this sort of like set the standard for what he'd do on late night. So th- this is like the birth of a of a legendary show, if you think about it. Yep. And and ultimately, they do they did the show they wanted to do, and it became some of the most legendary television ever. That would but, and like you would say, that would be the uh, genesis of shows to come. But we haven't even gotten to the final episode yet. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Well, we mentioned earlier that there was a news broadcast, a news update within the show. is actually live in the studio. And uh, it should be noted that the news update was given by a legendary newsman. And, uh, oh my gosh, th- this guy is a legend. He isn't with us anymore. Edwin Newman. 
And if you don't know who Edwin Newman is, I mean, he was just, he, he's like one of the big names at NBC for ages. Uh, but also he, he'd appear on a couple of uh, TV shows besides that. I know he appeared on the John Davidson version of Hollywood Squares at least once, uh, for at least one week, I should say. But um, yeah, it was like a, a legitimate news update a little bit goofy sometimes. Uh, there are some, you know, uh, comparisons to Edwin Newman sort of being uh, like a, a weekend update type of anchor. But that's not all we want to talk about. I, I, I know Greg really wants to talk about uh, at least one more thing. Yeah, we have to. We can't finish the David Letterman show without talking about the final episode. Oh, boy. And I don't think you're talking about the entirety of the episode. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about the, the last segment on the final episode of the David Letterman show. So the David Letterman show, of course, we mentioned was canceled. And they had that we talked about the final crazy weeks of shows, but the final segment now should mention what replaced the David Letterman show afterwards. One is not going to be a future installment, but one is. And so the shows it was replaced with were Blockbusters with Bill Cullen and Las Vegas Gambit with Wink Martindale. And yeah, the last segment was quote unquote the theme to the Las Vegas Gambit show. <laughs> Do we have a clip of that or no? Oh, yeah. we got a clip of it. Oh, you better believe we have a clip of it. Uh, Monday, there's going to be a show here called. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's called Las Vegas Gambit, and you're going to be hearing a lot of these things. Uh, and the neat part about this show, and I'll be watching, you, you darn bet I'll be watching, uh, uh, is it, it features the excitement of Las Vegas plus a human deck of 52 cards. Now here to sing a visual tribute to that show, Harv Mann, ladies and gentlemen, and our salute to Las Vegas Gambit. It's the Las Vegas Gambit Show. <laughs> the Las Vegas Gambit Show. <laughs> With cash and fabulous prizes. Come and see. It's not just cash uh, and not fabulous prizes.
and you'll win at furniture. But just because you're you, you'll win some things for her. Cause classic right now, it's acting of the classic, classic potato candle. For the living And I'll be watching you. Don't bet I'll be watching. <laughs> and also, in case you didn't notice, the music to the Las Vegas Gambit theme was the David Letterman show theme. That's very meta. It, it is very meta, and they just added lyrics, and Harv Mann sang it, and you had a living deck of playing cards coming out dancing. Oh, it was it was a truly Letterman way to end the Letterman show. <laughs> so, as we mentioned in Open All Night, Dave had this pay-or-play contract at the end after the morning show got canceled. NBC knew that they had something with David Letterman, but they had to wait until they had something ready for him. So, eventually... Around February of 1982, long-running Tomorrow with Tom Schneider gets canceled. And what takes its place? Late Night with David Letterman. Yep. So, yeah, that would be the start of what would become the NBC Late Night franchise at 1230 that started with Dave for 11 years, continued with Conan O'Brien, then Jimmy Fallon, and is now carried on today by Seth Meyers. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, after the David Letterman show and until Late Night with David Letterman premiered, well, it was pay or play. Well, he didn't play, so NBC had to pay. He got paid about a million dollars over that next year for doing nothing. Boy, that's a charmed life. Yep. Well, also, let's remember, he did make one little appearance, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, refer back again. I think this is like the second or third time we've mentioned in this show, the open all night episode. Yep. Yeah. Pay or play. You know what I'm talking about, Feaster? The world's gone crazy. Mm -hmm. But one thing I want to mention. Now, we talked about how the David Letterman show replaced High Rollers, Chain Reaction, and Hollywood Squares. But originally... 
one of those three shows was not going to be canceled, and another show instead was going to be canceled. Do you know what that was going to originally going to be? Wheel of Fortune. Yes, Wheel of Fortune. Now remember, folks, 1980. So at the sa- so at this time, it would still be Chuck Woolery and Susan Stafford as, as the uh, hostess and the shopping, of course. But Fred Silverman, or our good old friend Fred Silverman, decided at the last minute when he saw that Wheel of Fortune was one of the highest rated shows on the morning schedule, he changed his mind and spared Wheel of Fortune the axe. And in doing so, he, he basically changed the course of television history. You're not wrong about that. Because think about it. Without Wheel of Fortune... It probably we never have Pat Sajak to replace Chuck mm-hmm. the following year. We never have Vanna White, and we never have the syndicated version eighty three, and we probably never have Jeopardy in nineteen eighty four in syndication. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, thanks, Fred Silverman. For once, thank you, Fred Silverman. Well, yeah, a very astute observation. Well, guys. $10,000 antique Chinese fish balls, whale and flowers and madam, predecessor to go, stupid pet tricks, going to a town in Iowa to host an entire show, news reports in the middle of a 90 minute morning show. What did they all have in common, guys? In 1980. They were just things on TV. Before we leave. It's up for eBay prices, right, y'all? Oh, no. No. You're going to love this. You are bidding on a David Letterman high school yearbook. Oh, oh my gosh. Yep. It has two pictures of Mr. Letterman, and I'm looking for the buy it now price. Of course, the shipping is free because you're going to really. You can't pay. You can't pay for stuff like this. I'm sorry. So uh, a bid on a David Letterman high school yearbook. Okay, who's bidding first? Uh, Greg, why don't you do it? Okay, high school yearbooks. I know celebrity high school yearbooks usually go for a lot on eBay. So I'm going to say one hundred and seventy-five dollars. Okay, Mike. Oh, darn. I was hoping Greg would go low because I was going to say the exact same thing. I know celebrity yearbooks go for a lot of money on eBay. Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'll say $199. Okay. Greg, you said $175. Mike, you said $199. This is for his scene, his his junior year, and oh, you're both over. 
Okay, so we gotta make other new bids. Yeah, okay. go lower than 175. I'm gonna go 120. Greg says 120. Mike? I'll go 124.99. 120, 124.99. Uh, 1964 David Letterman High School Yearbook Junior Year goes for... Mike wins it. And this would be 11 years. This is 11 years before you were born. Can you imagine that? I didn't even know paper was invented back then. Oh. Yeah, I thought they just like etched photos on stones or something like that. Oh, boy. No, that would be no, that would be my alma mater. Uh, anyway, uh, eighty-three of the episodes of of the David Letterman show were are being held in the archives of Worldwide Pants. The finale was shown as part of his fifteenth anniversary in nineteen ninety-seven, and. Some episodes are available at the Paley Center in New York. So, quick subway ride for Greg, quick bus ride for Mike, uh, a plane ride for me. Would be a quick bus ride for me, but regardless. And while, and while he's on that bus, he can visit It Was a Thing on TV.com and listen to past episodes, which you all should be doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. listen to us during your commute. And if you're yeah. not working yet, yet, listen to us at home. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and, and I mean, now with this episode, we've got close to 70 episodes. I mean, actually, we're over 70 episodes if you include uh, episode zero. So yeah, I mean, there's over 70 episodes uh, on the website. And the live shows. Well, yeah, including the live shows. I mean, there's 68 regular episodes, two live shows, and then the uh, episode zero, the, the the pilot, if you will. So there's plenty of episodes for you to listen to. And if you like what you hear, or if you don't like what you hear, or if you got some ideas, definitely let us know at our social media sites. You can uh, drop us a line on Twitter, also known as Jack Dorsey's Hate Box. You can also contact us on Facebook, also known as Mark Zuckerberg's hate box. And there's also Instagram, Mark Zuckerberg's photo box, and <laughs> and Tumblr, which nobody gives a damn about. Uh, but also we have a Discord. Feel free to drop by the Discord. The link is on it was a thing on tv.com. Drop by and uh, there's a text chat room uh, devoted to the show. Feel free to chime in, give us your feelings, give us your feedback. Give us ideas. Just talk television in general. We've been talking there for the last couple of days about not a future installment necessarily at this point, but it's awfully darn early. Uh, a TV show on ABC called Don't. Yeah. Which I, they, uh, the new Adam Scott game show, which is a uh, Ryan Reynolds creation. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is, a, Ryan Reynolds is the announcer. Yeah. By announcer, we mean the voice of God. Well, he is Deadpool. True. Yeah, and the best way I can describe it, if you haven't seen it, is it's the absurdist anti-game show. 
Or as I like to call it, Deadpool. The game show. That's actually not a bad description. Deadpool, the game show. That, that, that sort of fits. Yep. But, but anywho, don't worry about uh, don't for now. And speaking of don't, don't not like and subscribe. Don't not rate and review. And don't not share because sharing is not not caring. Man, my high school English teachers are going to strangle me if they hear this. They're going to shake their head and say, where did we go wrong with that kid? If Mrs. Romero, my uh, high school English teacher, is listening, we're sorry. We're yeah. so sorry. Yeah, and, and if by chance, and I doubt either of them would be listening to this, if Dr. Beale or Miss Anthony is listening, I'm sorry. But also at the same time, I'd be mightily impressed if 80 and 90 year olds listen to this podcast. Well, if my family friend Marilyn Supons listen to this podcast, she's probably thinking that Greg's friend Mike has got some really terrible English. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll be the first to admit it. I did not do well in English, but it wasn't because of the grammar. That's another story for another day for the podcast. It was a thing in Mike's educational background. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's going to be our super ultra Patreon podcast. You'll get it was a thing at the arcade. It was a thing at the movies. It was a thing in Mike's educational background. <laughs> well, next week we have two episodes that are drawn together by a common theme. Yeah. What's the theme? <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, you'll find out next week what the theme is, but yeah. But hey, for now, hey, hey guys, you know I was, uh, you, know, you know, I'll tell the story next week. Uh, well, you'll have to tune in for that story. Yeah. So now you got a reason to listen to us next week. Oh yes, it's gonna be. It's not an exciting story, but oh man, oh man, it's a Greg story. It's a, it's Greg, a Greg story. story. Yeah. With, you know, which- which means who knows what it's going to be about. And hey, guys, next week, next week, first show next week is going to be episode number 69. Nice. Yep. But until then, I was Greg. That was Mike. That was Chico. And we'll see you guys next week for two more things on TV. See you next time. <laughs>